Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. I also host the podcast Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, which you can listen to if you need your literary fix fast. This podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, is for anyone out there who wants to feel better in their bodies like I do. There's a private support group that I started on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. And all of us share tips, suggestions, recipes, meal ideas, and generally just give each other lots and lots and lots of support so that it isn't so hard to do what should be simple, but somehow isn't. So please listen to the podcast, hear stories from people just like you who have struggled and overcome things and have ideas and suggestions. And let's just do this together. We got this. Thanks for listening. I had the great pleasure of interviewing author and women's advocate, Heather Hansen, for my Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight podcast, which you're listening to now. She's the author of The Elegant Warrior book and host of The Elegant Warrior podcast. More about her, after 20 years of advocating for her clients in the courtroom, Heather Hansen, a top-notch lawyer, had to learn to advocate for herself. She did using the tools that worked so well in the courtroom. And her life completely changed. Now she coaches women on how they can advocate for themselves and their ideas. When you work with Heather, she shares tools to persuade your inner jury to make the choices that serve you and your dreams. Then you'll move on to your outer journey of friends, family, investors, managers, and clients. You'll persuade them to support your choices as well. Heather's clients learn to become their best advocates one choice at a time. Welcome, Heather. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. I am so happy to be here, Zibi. I love what you're doing with this. Thank you. Okay. So you, obviously I know you through our podcast for your book, Elegant Warrior, and you're just total sort of, I want to say kick-ass, but I felt like maybe I shouldn't say that, but that's the only way I can describe how you empower women through your lawyerly ways and experience and all the rest and your podcast. And now, of course, you have your own weight journey, which you wrote about in the book. But let's talk about it. Tell me more about your whole journey and how we got here today. So I lost when I was 18 years old and went to college where everyone else was gaining the freshman 15. I lost about 100 pounds. And that was when I was 18. I am now 48. And it definitely has been a journey, right? I mean, I, I gained some of that weight, but I lost it over a, a little over a year and then by the end, time I graduated college, I was a little heavier. And then I lost a lot of weight in law school and got very, very thin. Many people thought too thin. And then it was a series of ups and downs. And it took up so much of my brain space, Sibby, for so long. I often say that I never would have been able to write my first book, The Elegant Warrior, had I not overcome that constant brain space of weight thought. And the way that I overcame it, I think, is by just making different choices. The way that I lost the weight was making different choices. The way that I have maintained the weight loss has also been by making different choices. And I don't just mean choices. Of course, I mean choices with what I ate and how much I move my body, but also choices and the more important choices about how I thought about food, how I thought about my body, and how I thought about my choices. And that's really where the brain, my brain changed and it no longer became the first thing I thought about every morning and the last thing I thought about before I went to bed every night. Let's like go way back. So how did you first gain that weight? Were you always overweight as a child? Did it come on because of something? Tell me about how you got to that point to begin with before college. 
I wasn't, I was like probably a chunky kid, but I thought that I was fat. And so because of that, I like, you know, would eat when no one was around. I was, you know, I thought about food a lot. I thought about being heavy a lot. I put myself on diets when I was young. And so it was, and then once I had more time alone, once I had my license and I had access to foods that we, my mom didn't, my parents didn't have in the house, I just really put on weight. And in high school too, I was popular, but not like I didn't date. And so I think that I was eating a lot of my feelings in that respect as well. So it was a combination of maybe a little bit of chunkiness and then a lot of feelings about that chunkiness that I was eating rather than dealing with, probably with no idea how to deal with them. And did your family get involved at all at the time? No, I mean, I think that my mom tried to support whatever I wanted to do. And in fact, she's a big part of the story when I did lose the weight. You know, she would say, well, do you want to go to Weight Watchers? Do you want to try? My mom would diet, you know? So she'd say, do you want to try this diet? It's Scarsdale was one of the diets that I remember. And I did do Weight Watchers, I think when I was in high school. So I, I think that they, they did their best that they could to support me. My brother and sister didn't struggle with their weight. So, you know, when they were to have the treats and then I wouldn't have the treats and then it became this deprivation thing. And I will say that one of the major changes when I went to college, and I actually write about this in my next book, is I was complaining to my mom because I had gone to college and I was out at a bar with a fake ID and this boy that I liked said something derogatory about my weight. And I went home and I cried and I was so upset in my dorm room. And I told my mom about it the next day. And I told her, I want to join the gym. I want to lose weight. I want to show him that type of thing. And she sent me a a card with a check in it. And the check was to join the gym at school. But she said, maybe try thinking about this differently rather than thinking about it as a way to lose weight and show him. Maybe you can think about it as a way to glow a little brighter and be a little stronger and be more yourself in those situations and be more confident. So it's no longer about how you look, what you weigh, what size pants you fit into, and rather who you are and who you want to be. And that was the first time that I realized it was a choice to even the way that I thought about dieting and the way that I thought about my health was a choice. And I could choose to think about it as simply every day, whether I weighed less when I weighed myself in the morning or not, I was closer to shining as brightly as I was capable of shining. Wow. So when you look back, and then I want to go forward to the weight loss part, but when you look back, do you feel like you were, did something like traumatic happen in your childhood? Was it something deep seated or was it just habits and like it just built on itself? You know what I mean? I think nothing traumatic happened. I think that it was habits. I think that it was circumstance. I think that as a kid, it was a distraction. I was a big reader. I was, I liked to like, I wasn't super active. I'm super active now. And people assume that I was an athletic child, but I wasn't. And I think that it was just something to look forward to. Okay. So we get to college and all of a sudden you start losing all this weight through the means that you talked about earlier. What was that like for you, like shedding that whole layer of yourself? It was amazing. I mean, listen, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Like I remember I would drink a two gallon, like a milk container of water every day, which meant that I was going to the bathroom all night long. My poor roommate, you know, because you have to go down the hallway when you're in a dorm room. But it was the response to it was like the stuff that movies are made of, right? Because I went to college, you know, went to my freshman year of college weighing a hundred pounds more than I came back that summer. 
and the response from like guys that I had liked in high school and people not recognizing me. And I, I often talk about this. So now I coach women on, on other things, but we often talk about this. And I say that losing weight was easier than keeping it off because when you're losing the weight, you get so much positive reinforcement. You look great. How did you do it? You look fabulous. And then when you have maintained this weight for, for me, it's been what, like, 30 years or whatever, people don't talk about it anymore. And so you have to start to get that reinforcement from inside. So back then it was amazing. It was, you know, people didn't recognize me. One guy that I had a crush on in high school asked me out at the mall, not knowing that I was the person from high school. So it was awesome. And, and, you know, being able to shop for clothes and, but so much of it too, was just a difference in confidence. You know, I felt like people were nicer to me, but in truth, it was probably also that I was nicer to people. You know, I was more willing to start conversations and to put myself out there because my confidence had changed. So interesting. And so as time went on, tell me about the time you were too skinny. Let's go back to that point. So over the course of, so I lost all that weight in my, over my freshman year. And then over the course of sophomore, junior, senior year, I probably put on I don't really know numbers, Zibby. It was so long ago and there was so much up and down, but I put on enough that I was feeling heavy again. And then I went to law school and it was like a new start, right? And so I started not fat, and I'm putting air quotes for those of you listening around it, but heavy. And so no one knew me as the fat person because in in college, they knew that I had lost all this weight. And so it was another new opportunity to begin again. And I'm a person who loves new beginnings. And so with law school, I began again and I read a book about the health benefits because now I really was choosing for health and not for the way I looked and for all of that. And I read a book about the health benefits of veganism. And this was in 1990 four before veganism was really a thing. And I became a vegan and I was vegan for six years and I just dropped weight like crazy from eating that way. I was pretty strict about it and just got very, very thin. And that was also interesting. Like, you know, people would come up to me and say, we're worried about you. And, you know, that my mom actually, I think was concerned when I came home, she took me to my pediatrician. Just to make sure everything was good. And he was kind of awesome. He was like, you know, I think she's just figuring it out, you know, and it's not like a, it's not black and white. Weight loss is gray. There's so much that goes into it. I mean, your metabolism, you know, the physical, the physical parts of it, and then the emotional and the mental and the psychological parts of it, which are often the bigger parts of it. And so those years, those years of veganism and those years of sort of, you know, getting probably too thin, that was just part of figuring it out. And so what did you learn after? How did you get back to to baseline? Well, I I don't know that I did. I mean, I think that for many years, and when I say many years, I mean, probably through my 30s, it was an up and down thing. You know, I would start to think that I could just eat whatever I wanted, and then I would get to a certain weight or not be able to put on a certain pair of pants. And then I would try a new thing. You know, one of the things I would tell the listeners, anyone who struggles with this, is there's no silver bullet. So, you know, some people will say keto and some people will say Atkins and some people will say low fat and some people will say Weight Watchers. I have literally done them all and lost weight on them all. And it really is all about your mindset and the way that you choose to look at it, which is good news and bad news, right? Because you're always responsible for your choices. And so if you are looking at yourself and your weight in a certain way, you're never going to lose weight no matter what diet you try. And if you're looking at yourself and your weight in a different way, you're going to lose weight no matter what diet you try. And so all of those worked for me until they didn't. And I would sort of, the other thing that I, for a long time was true for me and no longer is, but for a long time, it was true for me that 
there's a quote that says, for those for whom abstinence is, no, moderation is difficult, abstinence is easier. So for me, for a long time, I just totally didn't eat certain foods. Like I ate no chocolate, I ate no cheese, and I ate no potato chips, three CH words. And just because I knew that if I had one, I would oftentimes binge and end up eating too much of those things. Now I can't do that to myself. If I do, I'm more likely to binge and eat more of those things. So again, so much of it is knowing yourself and making choices that serve you. But I went through all of those various steps, all of those various diets. And then I think sometime in my late thirties, I just sort of realized that I was giving how much I weighed, how much I worked out, how much I ate so much of my brain. And if I used all that brain space for something else, what would I be capable of? And so I decided to try and slowly sort of made it less important, chose to what, what I do now. And I still, you know, quarantine has not been good to many of our waistlines. But what I do now is just choose the day before what I'm going to eat and only eat what I said I was going to eat. It sounds so simple, but yet so smart. <laughs> well, and it's, so I'm, I coach women on how to advocate for themselves. I'm also training to be a life coach through the Life Coach School. And Brooke Castillo owns and runs the Life Coach School. And she talks about that. She talks about setting a protocol and then following that protocol. And the challenge in it is that you want things. Feelings come up and you want to buffer those feelings with food. And you want to talk yourself out of the protocol that you've set and say, well, this situation happened. And the power is in sticking to your plan for that day. But the thing that's nice about it is that every day that you do that, you build credibility with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, for the work that I do in teaching women to advocate for themselves, that is the foundation. If you don't believe in yourself and if you don't believe yourself, when you make yourself a promise, keep it, then you can't make other people believe. So building credibility with yourself is a really important part of becoming your own best advocate. And a great way to do that is to tell yourself, tomorrow I'm going to eat this for breakfast, this for lunch. You know what your plan is the next day for the most part, right? So you plan it out. And then no matter what feeling you have, no matter how much the one inner attorney tries to argue that it's okay to eat that chocolate, your inner jury chooses to stick to the protocol and you start to build credibility with yourself. Wow. See, I feel like the biggest challenge in that is getting to the mindset where you're ready to focus on the next day and make the plan to begin with. I feel like if you're at a place, like when I'm very focused and determined, that's I'll be like, okay, great. Yes, I'm having this oatmeal and this and I plan it. And I feel like I did that a couple months ago when I was feeling really focused. It's just like when you're not and you're trying to like ratchet things back, how do you get to the point where you're ready to even make that plan? Yeah, and I think that we think that I mean, part of it for me is it's a lot of the same stuff every day. One of the things that I think that serves me is to think to myself, food is not exciting anymore. So how can I make my life more exciting? And I think that's part of what's been the struggle in quarantine, right? Before quarantine, I had a very exciting life. I lived in New York City and I was doing television and I wrote the book and I was coaching and I was keynote speaking and I was supposed to travel literally the world this summer giving speeches. And my life was so exciting that food didn't have to provide the excitement. And then when everything shut down, I lived on 44th and Lex and there was a coffee shop across the street that had fabulous chocolate chip cookies. Without exaggeration, that was the excitement of my day. The two chocolate chip cookies at the end of the day was the most exciting thing. And I really challenge myself and it's hard now 
to create a life that's so exciting that food doesn't have to provide that excitement. And so to your point, you can have oatmeal for every breakfast and a salad for every lunch and a piece of fish or chicken with vegetables for every dinner. And it's not hard to plan, but it's boring. It's not exciting. It's not fun. And it might not be what your partner or your date or your kids are eating. And you have to deal with the feelings of that. You know, I talk about all my years of lawyering and my coaching now, I talk about your inner jury. Your inner jury is choosing and help her to choose what's easier for her and give her reasons to do that. Wow. I love that. I mean, because in truth, we're choosing all the time. Like we always are choosing. We are the ones picking up the food. It's not like someone else is like shoving the chocolate chip cookies in our mouths, right? We've already made a choice. We're just not admitting it to ourselves. Well, and that's the thing. So now when I coach, in fact, I coached a woman this morning and sometimes I feel like I'm being tough on my clients when I say to them, well, you know, that's a choice and they want to fight with me, right? Like, no, the, you know, it's, it wasn't a, in, in this particular situation. It wasn't even about weight. It was about their dating life, but uh, you know, it's the same thing. It is either a terrible thing that these are choices because it makes us feel bad and it makes us feel guilty, or it's a wonderful thing because it gives us all the power when that's a choice too, right? When you see your ability to choose as the source of your power and your ability to do literally anything, including losing a hundred pounds, that's amazing, but it's also on you. You are the one who chooses. If anyone who's listening, and I know you've read it because you've read everything, Zibi, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I have not. He, I have not. Oh my gosh. It is a fabulous book. He was a psychotherapist who went to Auschwitz and he wrote about his experience in Auschwitz as a psychotherapist. And ultimately he talks about the internal locus of control, that the only thing, the only power he had in Auschwitz was to choose his thoughts and to choose his attitude, and to choose how he saw the situation that he was in, because he had no other power. And so when my clients push back and say, it's not a choice, I tell them to read that book. Because if he could choose to see things differently, then so can we when we have a piece of chocolate cake in front of us. And listen, I don't get it right all the time. I'm six pounds heavier than I was at the beginning of quarantine. I have lost some weight since you know I, I gained more than that. Last night, I did not choose well at dinner time. I didn't stick to my plan. The thing with me, again, is that when I do that, I have broken a promise I made to myself and I've lost some credibility. And to me, that's worse than gaining half a pound from eating a pumpkin muffin for dinner. I love that. So it's almost like, yeah, you're like disappointing yourself in a different way, like an intellectual way versus like emotionally. That's exactly right. You know, years ago when I was probably losing the weight, Fergie, you know, the Black Eyed Peas singer, she was asked about her workout regimen. And she said, that's how I earn my self-esteem. And I think that for me, that resonates. Like working out might not make me lose weight. There's research that shows that working out probably doesn't really necessarily help you lose the pounds. It's more diet than workouts, but it grows my credibility. It allows me to believe myself when I make myself a promise, I keep it. And it helps me to build my self-esteem, to have more confidence that when I do say I'm going to do something, I do it. So are there any like little tricks you do or with the food itself? Is there any, do you measure, do you like, do you cook ahead? Do you what, like what, anything food related hacks of any kind, or is it more just like getting yourself into this correct mindset? What works for me right now is Weight Watchers. Now that's not always been the case, but I have the Weight Watchers app. I, and 
talking about like planning ahead, either the night before or in the morning, I will put in what I plan to eat that day. Like, it's not like I write it as I eat it. I put in what I plan to eat. And then it's just sticking to that. So yesterday I had a lunch date and I hadn't planned for a drink. And when I got to lunch, I had to stick to it. So I didn't have a drink, even though I wanted a drink at lunch and the person I was with had a drink. Now I was proud of that. I earned some credibility there. Then I came home and ate a pumpkin muffin for dinner. So I didn't <laughs> eat what I planned for dinner. You know, it, it's, you're not always going to be perfect, but for me, it's not complicated. It doesn't have to be like, like I said, I've lost it every way from Sunday. I've done veganism with no meat. I've done keto with all meat. You know, I've done everything in between. Right now, Weight Watchers works for me because I can have a drink if I want it. I can have a piece of cake if I want it. I just allow for it. But it's really just setting the plan and sticking to it. And the nice thing about Weight Watchers too is if you are a person, and there are people I know that I coach who eat to sort of, they want to feel full. Like they want to, then then you can eat as many vegetables and fruits and just plain old chicken as you want to have that physical feeling of being satiated so that you can stop thinking about food, but you really have to know yourself and, and how much you change and be tuned in with yourself. I think that the other thing that I would recommend that has made it on the times when it's easier for me has made it so is meditation because you really become aware of your thoughts and where you're sort of trying to fool yourself, like, oh, I can have this. It's not on the plan, but I'll make up for it tomorrow or it's no big deal. And it's probably not. I mean, had I had the drink, is that that big of a deal? Probably not. But I broke a promise to myself. And that to me is a big deal. Hmm. So how do you feel about your body now? How do you feel about yourself? I mean, listen, I have good days and bad days. The scale still impacts how I feel about myself. You know, if I step on, even if I feel like I've had a couple days where I've really kept the promises I've made to myself and then I step on the scale and it doesn't show that, it's hard for me not to allow that to impact me. But I feel strong. I feel like I can trust myself. I feel proud of what I have done in my lifetime with the weight journey. I feel especially proud that it's not the first thing I think about every morning and the last thing I think about every night before I go to bed. I feel like I set a good example for my nieces in the way that I talk about body and food and shining bright. I mean, for me, and I feel like I shine bright. That's so nice. That's so great. That's all you can ask for, right? That's what you've been trying to do for like however many years. And now you're there. Yeah. And it's, you know, you've got to love yourself well enough to, to, to make that happen and to let it happen and to, you know, step into it. So if people listening want your coaching and want to find you and track you down and hunt you down and everything, how do they find you? I think, listen, if you want to, if you want to coach with me, if you want to work with me, just email me directly. It's heather at elegantwarrior.com. My website has some blogs and some and links to my books and so forth. And that's heatherhansonpresents.com. Great. Awesome. Oh, well, Heather, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. It's really inspiring. And I love the idea of just, even if you don't feel like it, setting this promise to yourself and writing it out ahead of time and just being, you know, treating yourself like you would any friend who you make a promise to and holding yourself in esteem high enough to be able to do that. It's great. It's a great mindset shift that I think is really valuable. Good. I hope it helps because I know what a struggle this can be and it can be better. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zibby. It's my pleasure. All right. Have a great day, Heather. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. Don't forget to follow the private support group at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight on Instagram. Thanks.